Thanks, guys. Really good job this morning. I was looking at that. I don't know if that's a great poster for the depression thing. Like, that guy looks like he's ready to jump. Just saying. I'm just saying. I don't mean to, you know, I'm just saying. We want to change that poster. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He changed his mind. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying. Cameron's at the other place. I bet you I'm doing better than he is. In, in Jesus' name. He does say that. I don't know. I don't think it's right. I don't think the Lord would like that. In Jesus' name, it's all good. Um, let's see. Guitar guy here spilt his coffee. Did anybody notice that? Oh, I did. It was awesome. But here's the thing, you see, when he brought his coffee up, he put it, no, he had his coffee, and he jiggled this, and this is what he did. He's moving it around, and then he put his coffee down. His buddy here goes something to the effect of, I think that coffee's going to spill. And guess what happened? <laughs> Doesn't even look like anything happened till tomorrow. Then you got that big black stain there. Okay. How's everybody doing? Good. Everybody good? Yeah. Have you risen from the dead this morning? Pay attention. The speaker's talking here. What are we doing? My God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's gossip now. I just, I just, I just threw a rumor out there. Um, I was thinking about a couple of things. Uh, we had a good time in the first service. It was fantastic. 84 people got saved. It was glorious. Should have been here. I know, right? I know. There's revival happening. Um, I was thinking about Lazarus and, um, you know, about dry bones and some of the stuff and, and, um, my life message is your identity in Christ, and so a lot of what I talk about is through that, through that lens and through that filter, and um, I was thinking about Lazarus and how the Lord called him. Do you remember what the Lord said? He said, Lazarus, come on out, come forth, and I was thinking, like, what if Lazarus didn't want to come out? What if he was like, well, hmm. It's nice in here. It's dark. Nobody's bothering me. Nobody's yattering in my ear. Lazarus, come forth. Mm, I'm good. And I wonder sometimes, you guys, if consciously or unconsciously, that's what we do with Jesus, where he's summoning us. He's calling us forth. But because of the pain... Because of the hurt, because of the memory, because of the disappointment or the disillusionment or whatever you want to call it, somehow we're going to stay where we are. You see, we love to pray for the speaker. That's good. But listen, I'm covered. I'm good. I am an anointed person. That's not a brag. It's just praise the Lord. God's good. And he says what he's going to do. Sometimes, though, it's about being anointed to hear. 
being anointed to listen. So my question first off is this, are you checked in right now? Because if you're not, you're just going to waste your time. You just came here, you drink some nice coffee, you know, maybe get the flu from somebody from dipping in all those carrots and everything. Maybe not, I don't know. But are you checked in? So I'm going to ask you now, let's check in. You're going to check in? I'm not saying you're not. I'm just asking you to check in, which is a good thing. So <clears throat> this whole thing of identity is very important because it's something that King Davy went through. And I'm calling him King Davy for our sake this morning is because he was acting like a 14, 15-year-old rather than the king that he was. He had authority, he had posterity, he had legacy, he had power, he was as good looking and as muscular as me. It's amazing. This guy was slaying animals. He wasn't just getting rid of squirrels in the house. This guy was fighting lions and bears. I mean, this guy had everything that a king would have. He even had respect at one point of the people. But we find him in Psalm 51, and that's where we're going to be for a moment, because I want to talk about salvation joy. Now, how many here are born again? Put your hand up. Three quarters of you. This is awesome. Okay, that's not bad at all. The other quarter of you are going to hell until you come to the front here and ask Jesus to come into your life. Isn't this a good seeker-friendly time right now? So, salvation joy is not about a feeling. We know that because joy is not a feeling. Joy is a... Per... Per... Sin. Joy is a person. Just like peace. Peace is not a feeling. If you're looking for a feeling for peace, that comes after you acknowledge that peace is a person. His name is Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Wisdom is not intellect. You can't Google wisdom and get it. You got to ask for it. Don't ask for what wisdom can bring you. Ask for wisdom. You understand? And it's the same thing with joy. Joy is not submitted to circumstantial evidence. It's not circumstantial joy if it's real joy. And so David found himself in the middle of this very, very thin place, as we do sometimes. Sometimes for the things we do, sometimes for the things that we, we, we forsake, or because maybe it's just a God thing, and he has us where he has us. And it's this. It's the tension between what I know, what I read, what I hear in a testimony, and what I'm actually experiencing. And man, can it be frustrated if the two don't come together. Because in that thin, thin place in between, this is where the growth begins to happen. How do I posture my heart in that moment when I have a prayer that's in heaven that has not touched earth? What do I do in that moment? How do I govern my emotions? How do I govern what I hear about what God is doing in somebody else's life? She got married. He got engaged. They got a brand new car. He got healed. What about me? What about me? What about me? How do we manage ourselves in that place? 
It's not about managing what's going to happen next. It's, it's about managing and stewarding what has already happened. Because you possess right now everything that you need for the moment that you find yourself in. You have it right now. You have it. It's in you right now. He's in you right now. You have it. I look at it this way. Pretend you're looking in front of a mirror. And it's like, this is how you approach every morning. It's like this. It's you. You ready? It's you looking at him, looking at himself. You understand? And then from there, somebody nodded no. Let me, let's put it again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is nature and identity. This is how God sees you. It's Jesus, or it's you, sorry, it's you, looking in a mirror, and the reflection of you is Jesus looking back at himself. You understand? And then what he does is he takes you, and he turns you around, and he displays you to the world. See? When we get up in the morning and we anticipate living in that kind of a place, you can't feel your way through it. You cannot feel your way through it. And I'm a feely guy. I'm an emotional guy. I cry at those stupid videos. I, I, you know, I'll just bawl my eyes out. I'm a crying guy. I love emotion. I think it's great. I'm Italian. I, 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 I just exude emotion. Sometimes not always a great idea. It's a cultural thing. Praise the Lord. But... Can you imagine in the morning you could actually wake up happy and happy that you woke up? Instead of, instead of starting with dread. If I was to preach my last sermon to a church, my last sermon, not, la, 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 not the last sermon and then everything's gone, but if it was my last sermon, here's what I would tell you. And Lord, let this not be my last sermon anywhere, okay? But here's what it is. You ready? Stop living inside your head so much. You're not as bad as you think. You're not as naughty as you think. You're not as hopeless as you think. The circumstances you dread are not as bad as you think. It's not. You carry him. You house him. He's with you. He's yours. Oh, I know. <laughs> Thank you for that. The B-I-B-L-E. Psalm 51, verse 7. This is David speaking. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. You know what hyssop is? It's like a weed, like a bush. And, and what ascetics used to do, monks used to do, they used to purge themselves with hyssop. They actually used to beat themselves with it until they, until they bled to get the sin out. Dear Lord, thank you we're not that. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones you have crushed. And I was saying last night, you know, I don't know about that line. I think David crushed his own bones. I think he got into, got into it himself because he's, he was here a bonehead. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. And then he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, or a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me from your presence. Imagine how desperate he must have been to pray that prayer. When was the last time you prayed that prayer? Lord, I pray that you don't kick me out of the house, out of your house, that you don't abandon me. Lord, I pray. Or take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It is the joy of his salvation. It's not your joy. It's his joy. It's God's joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's, you, it's his joy that he has given to us. He is self-sustaining. He is all-sufficient. He's happy about himself. He's not in a bad mood. He does not send uh, tsunamis or cancer or colds. Or he doesn't spill coffee from stools, guitar guy. It's okay. You're off the hook. You're not going to hell. You're okay. Leave a little more for the offering so the guys can use a cleaner to clean that up. And there it is. Let me give you a few points here about how to steward salvation joy. Because first of all, you got to know you're saved. How often do we think about that? Listen, we didn't join some club here. You know what I mean? This isn't the gym. This is some racket club. This isn't the Kiwanis club. This isn't some gin rummy club. We're born again believers, man. Born again by the Spirit of God. Everybody say born again. I love it when I hear it as a line in a song. It's incredible. To know that we are born again by the Spirit of God. I love that. Number one, live like you're forgiven, not forgotten. Very, very, very important. The Lord will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's got big shoulders. He could take that you had a divorce. He could actually understand that time when you were sexually abused. You are not your sexual abuse. You are not your emotional abuse. You are not your parents' divorce. You are not your singleness. You are not your crappy marriage. You're not any of those things. Those are things that are happening to you. They're happening in you, but they're not of you. Because he won't allow that to happen. You are more than the sum total of the negative or positive circumstances that happen to you. This relationship is not transactional. He can't forgive you more because you do something neat and cool for him. Number two, live like he has risen from the dead. Third-day Christians living third-day lives with a third-day God, with third-day hope. Living not out of our history, but living out of our testimony, looking forward to our destiny. Not just living in the past. That stop that narrative about your not-a-good-enoughness, about what you used to do and what you used to be. It's okay. It's gone now. It's finished now. You're a new creature in Christ now. Never been seen before now. That person is an imposter. The enemy is a liar. Do you understand this? As identity, you are a new creature in Christ. That person is gone. The Holy Spirit's doing new things in your life. 
Allow yourself a new beginning. Allow yourself a new history with God. Emancipate yourself through the cross of Jesus Christ. But we don't stay at the cross. We don't stay grieving at the cross. Oh, the cross. Oh, I'm just going to be at the cross for a thousand years. Oh, the poor blood. of Oh, my gosh, the blood. He rose from the dead. We don't belittle the cross. We don't underestimate the cross. But we live in anticipation of the cross, after the cross, in the resurrection, into the destiny of what God has for our lives, of what will be, of what could be in this life that God has in store for me. And I'm not just talking about your skill, your talent. I'm talking about your outlook. You want to grow stuff? You want to grow churches? You want to grow stuff? You better be careful what you're growing. That it has health and that it has life. I want to grow churches. I was saying to the group yesterday, I didn't want anybody to come to my church for the first five years. What a toxic environment. It was a bunch of nut bars running around. It was crazy. People would ask me, hey, do you know a good church? I'd go, no, I don't know a good church. I'm the pastor of the church. I don't know a good church. Not that one. Just telling you. Freedom Center. It was like bind up your heart center. In the power of the resurrected Christ, it's important to live in present risenness, which means what? You have to use your power. You're powerful people. Do you understand that? You're powerful people. Do you know that? David was a powerful person, but he abused his power. He abused his authority. He should have used it for self-restraint. Instead, he didn't. He used it for permissiveness. He actually believed that he was beyond the reach of God and his authority because of his own natural authority. And he said, look, you see that? I want that, and I'm going to have that. You know why? Because I'm the king. Ah, what a terrible way to think. It's a terrible way to think. And that's not who we are as believers. We are not that. Use your authority. What's the root word in authority? Author, you have been authored. You've been authored, you guys. You've been authorized to live in the joy of the Lord. Why don't you let yourself go there? And I'm not talking about jumping up and down and this and that. That's great. I do that. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the expression of joy. Because I know people that jump up and down and speak in tongues, and they're a bunch of knuckleheads, some of them. These are like mean people. Got the spirit is just dumb all over them. No self-awareness, hurting people. Oh, but praise the Lord, turn the worship music on. <laughs> oh, Lord, don't say that. I'm not saying that. I told Cameron I'd be a little more formal this, this morning. Number three, live like you're gloriously loved. Do you know what it's like to live loved? Have you lived loved before? I mean loved, adored. I, 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 mean, I mean being made much of. 
you don't, who's married? Who's married? Yeah, who's married? Who's married? Put your hand right up if you're married. Okay, put your hand down. <laughs> who's afraid to put your hand up? You're married. Okay, you two are married? How long have you two been married? You're close. You, you have been married for as long as I've been alive. Exactly. What month were you married in? July. This is incredible. Oh. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's use a little decorum here. Explosive love. You guys are married? Yeah? When's the last time he made much of you? Did what now? What does that mean? When's the last time you felt adored by him? Don't say all the time. Any idea? My God, I'm starting a fight. I'm good with awkward silence. A couple days ago, felt adored a couple days ago. That's not bad. A couple days isn't bad. You probably feel adored by him all the time. I'm sure you are. What would it be like to feel adored by Jesus Christ? The reason he created you. The reason that you are on this earth. The reason he created you. Is because he wanted to give himself an opportunity to love you. And if you were the only person, he still would have done it. That's Jesus. Hey, you two on the couch. Hey, you two on the couch. Hey, leave room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> kind of a church is this? <clears throat> you know, I'm just messing with you, right? Okay. Salvation joy is about living informed. Somebody said that people don't want to be informed, they want to feel informed. Again, this gets better. Where are you going? <laughs> going for a smoke, huh? Mm-hmm. Going for a vape. Isn't vaping the most foreign thing you've ever seen? You're at a traffic light and this big puff of smoke comes out. It's like the Pope has been elected. This big white puff comes flying out of the... It's like, that just came out of somebody's body. It's just so weird. No judgments. I'm just saying. It's from a, an optical... Anyway. <laughs> Keep learning about your salvation. That's what I'm saying. Keep learning about your born-againness. Don't let that slide. You could be enamored by a speaker. You could be enamored by a genre of Christian teaching, you know, the end days and all of that. But listen, sharp, sharp, the sharpest sword you can have is the sword of salvation. And I know it's called, you know, the, 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 the armor of God, you know, the sword of the, which is the sharp, sharp. Keep that sharp. Keep that sharp. The, the awareness that I'm a born-again Christian, that I have the power, 
I could actually impart dignity to people. Do you understand that? It not, has nothing to do with your personality. Your personality is the delivery system of your personhood. You could change your personality. I don't care if you're phlegmatic, pragmatic, automatic, I don't know. Okay? Don't label yourself. Don't paint yourself into a personality corner. Be very, very careful. All that stuff is good because it identifies our tendencies. It's healthy. It's awesome. But your identity is it, man. So steward your born againness. We have this incredible capacity with our words because there's such authority that comes on words. Not because you speak them, because of where they're coming from. And as you incarnate, as you enculturate heaven, and you're living and walking and believing in who Jesus agrees that you are, you can actually take that and you can actually designate it into somebody else so that they can believe it for themselves. They come to a revelation, then they have to make the choice at that revelation. I remember one time our church, we were downtown working with the Salvation Army and we were working in one of their food trucks, big food truck. They, they tricked it out. It had, it had like a commercial oven and there were chairs and tables. Like the thing was humongous. And there I am, it's about two or three in the morning and I'm stirring this big pot of soup because we go to different corners in Toronto and give out soup and sandwiches and whatnot and things like that. And I'm stirring the soup, I'm stirring it up. It's you know, a little, little dark in there. And then the door opens up and in comes this woman. And I'm all alone. My heart's starting to beat now. I'm getting butterflies. She comes in, red long hair, red dress, big red stiletto shoes. And I'm going, oh boy. She takes out her makeup, her compact thing. She opens it up. Put your makeup on. Puts it back in, puts it into her purse. She looks over at me, and she says, hello. And I'm stirring my soup, and I say, hello. <laughs> and I look over, and I look down, and I look. Those feet look like they're size 19 feet. Look at those clod hoppers. I look up the, the legs. It looks like... Uh, you know, looks like hair to me. Look up, and I see one of these. It's an Adam's apple. I'm going, Lord, thundering. He looks at me and says, how do I look tonight? My stomach. Oh, then the Holy Spirit comes. And I look at him, and I said, you look beautiful tonight. Tears just cutting through the makeup. Two weeks later, kid comes bounding in. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hey, good, how you doing? You remember me? I said, no, I don't remember you. Remember me? I had a dress on. I had... Red shoes, remember my red hair was a wig, whatever. I said, yes, I do remember you. I don't know your name, but I was blown away. I don't even know what to do. Pop, 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 this and that, whatever. And you know what he said? He said, when you told me that I looked beautiful, I knew you weren't telling me how I looked. I know that you were telling me that that's what my heart looked like to God.
He got saved right there and is still saved today. You know why I share that story? Because I believed it for him. And that authority, that dignity that I carry for myself because of who Jesus is inside of me was turned onto him. And in his light, we see light. And he got a revelation of himself as the way God sees him. And it changed him for the rest of his life. This is the power we carry. So for God's sakes, leave yourself alone. Leave yourself alone. You got big hips? Who cares? Start a fire as you're walking. Who cares? You got a nose that looks like a potato? Ah, so what? All of that stuff. We live in a culture that benefits from our self-doubt and then tries to sell us things that arrive at our home in one day in a box to convince us that we're better than they say we are. But they're selling us the product and then doing it again. And by the way, here's a new improved one. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Live unoffended. This is part of salvation joy. The corresponding enemy of offense, uh, of joy, is offense. It's offense. You know what happens when you're offended? Nothing. Nothing happens. You're just offended. Nothing happens when you're offended. Oh, I'm really offended. Okay. Now what? What happens now? You're offended. Yeah, that's right. Okay. How's that working for you? Well, I'm offended. You know what happens with offense? Your love grows cold. That's what happens. It grows cold. You know what happens? It's actually, it's actually salvation love that grows cold. According to Jesus, Matthew 24, 10 to 12, that in the last days, men will be offended. Well, women too. Oh, there, will, there will be offenses that will take place, causing many's, love, many's uh, heart's love to grow cold. We have to be careful of that guy. Guys, very careful. Work it out. Talk it out. Communicate it. Come on. Put your big boy, girl pants on. Talk it out. And don't talk to somebody else either. Ooh, that stirs me up, man. Oh, listen, I'm not gossiping or anything, but... Hi, Fred. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you something I heard. It really offended me. You know what you should do? Hang up on Fred. Tell him to go to bed. Not good. Live upward. That's a great part of salvation joy. Cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
We're getting there. I skip you. Instead of living as a victim of circumstantial evidence, which is basically, I think you know what I'm saying there, where where our emotions, our outlook, our decisions is based on what happens to us, okay? Instead of living in truth, you know, we got to live in truth, not in feelings. I actually believe that we can actually choose to cooperate with God ahead of time. Can you imagine that? Where we cooperate with God ahead of time because we're equipped to, pre- to perceive transitional moments. We weigh matters and determine outcomes. So when the things do come, we're not surprised by them. God has already spoken to, uh, to us already about them. You say, well, man, that sounds really spookernatural, man. Well, you know what? You develop that in your life because God actually wants that. That's part of living in authority. That's part of living as royalty. That's part of carrying the scepter, the diadem. That's part of it. It's all part of it. You could steward your salvation joy. So let's say you just bought a house. You're going to have mortgage payments. Well, guess what? You're going to be squeezed financially. You talk that out. It's more than a conversation. You begin to anticipate answers. And what happens then is that your pool of opportunities begins to grow because God sees that you're taking a mature look at what could possibly happen, and so he increases your capacity to receive more. Let me wind down. Finally... Um, I may skip you. Live outward. Stop nasal gazing so much. You are the light of the world. It's amazing that Jesus said that about himself. A few chapters later, he turns to the disciples and he says, you're the light of the world. And they're going, what? You said you're the light of the world. We wrote that down, Jesus. That's in our notes. We're going to file that one. That's going on Instagram. That's hashtag, man. That's hashtag material right there. You're the light of the world. You know, you know what the problem is with some of that for some of us? It carries responsibility. We don't want that. For some of us, we're happy to live in the shadows. We're happy to blend in. Ah, what a boring, ugh. Some of you are thinking, well, you know, what do you want me to raise the dead? I can't even get my dog to sit. You want me to do a miracle or whatever? Yeah, you know what? It's incremental. You try. You step out. You get awkward. You do something you've never done before to discover something that God has given you that you haven't shown him yet or the world yet. 
It's like the revealing of a bride. What happens when, when, you know, everybody stands up when the bride comes in? Why? Because the bride, the bride's being revealed. The bride's being revealed. Oh, oh, look at her. Look at her hair. Let's go. Oh, here she comes. Oh, she's beautiful. Look at her gown. Oh, I don't like it very much. Yeah, but look. It's beautiful. That's what God wants to do. He's revealing his bride. Don't be ashamed of yourself. Don't be ashamed of who God married. And that's you. That's joy, man. That's joy. Let's stand up. Let's close our eyes. I'm not going to ask you if you want joy. You already have it. You already have joy. You just got to get rid of the white noise. Just got to get rid of all the other voices, all the other, all the self-talk, all the, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm never going to be the bup-bup-bup and this and that. You got to get rid of that stuff. Thank you, Father.